Hello, welcome to the Beastie Bothy, a monthly Folklore Scotland podcast about the mythological creatures of Scotland. I'm Rosie. And I'm not Rasheen. Or Rosie. But a secret <laughs> third thing. <laughs> so Rasheen isn't here this week because she challenged the legendary Skaha to a duel, suffered a humiliating defeat, and is still recovering from the injuries and the shame. And that's my revenge for her saying that I had a hangover when I was actually dying of the plague last time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and once again, we have Rebecca in the body to talk about the Bodach. But first, it's Guess the Beastie. <laughs> Rebecca's going to guess the Beastie. And um, my first clue um, is that. I'm playing kind of fast and loose with the term beastie, and this one is more of a humanoid. But since pretty much everything in Scottish mythology can be classed as a fairy, I'm saying that she counts as a beastie. Oh, okay. So we've got a lady. A lady. Clue two. She has blue skin. Right, this could be anyone. Any woman <laughs> in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Clue, clue three. She literally made Scotland. Okay. There's a lot of people with blue skin in Scotland, but mm-hmm. I, only one that I can think of made Scotland. Is it the Kaliach? It is the Kaliach. Which brings us to Beast of the Month. This month we're having a wee look at the Bodach, which is sometimes described as being the male counterpart to the Kaliach in Irish legend. And I'm honestly not sure if I should be saying like a bodach, bodach, or the bodach, or bodax, um, if we want to do the Englishy plural, but um, there you go. Uh, and my understanding of the difference between the Kaliach in Scottish and Irish myth is that in Scotland, there is the Kaliach, who is one specific character. Um, but in Ireland, there are many Kaliachs. Kaliach? I, I don't know. I'm not good at Kaliach. But, um, yeah, so I'm not sure if when it says that the Bodach is the counterpart to Kaliach, it just means that um, the Kaliach is an old woman and the Bodach is an old man. Um, but I don't know. I just wanted to mention that there seems to be a slight difference between Scottish and Irish myth, and it said it like that the Bodach is the counterpart to the Kaliak in Irish myth, and I was like, hmm. But we also have a Scottish story later, so um, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what we make of that later. Kind of interesting how like Ireland have many, and we were like. You know how we kind of share a lot of things, and we were like, "No, we mm-hmm. have one. There's, there's one." Yeah, and then I kind of wonder if, like, because we definitely have one, but if we have other stories that are supposed to be about a different Kalia, we wouldn't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, true. That's true. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that because, like, we definitely have one. That is the one that made Scotland and the one that rules from Ben Nevis and captures Bride and all that kind of stuff. But if any of the other minor stories are a different one, we just wouldn't know. We just assume it was her. 
Yeah. And it it, it kind of gives me like, you know how Merlin is like a, a title and it basically just means mm. like the wise I'm sorry, I'm going like totally off track here, but like the wise <laughs> the, the wise person of the of the tribe. And then yeah. Kaliak means like old woman. It's almost yeah. like yeah. So we have a description of the Burach, which is mainly taken from Briggs' Encyclopedia of Fairies. Um, so Brig describes the Burach as the Celtic form of a bugbear or bugaboo, uh, which is helpful to me because I definitely know what both of those are. <laughs> yeah, this is what I was like, let's just Google it live. Okay. <laughs> let's Google it. <laughs> um, bugaboo. What a great name. Okay. A bugbear is a legendary creature or type of hobgoblin comparable to the boogeyman or bugaboo and other creatures of folklore, all of which were historically used in some cultures to frighten disobedient children. So, yeah. Well, now, now we know what those are too. We're learning so much. We are. This is a learning experience for all of us, the listener and us. So, um, Burak, Burak, um are generally described as being... Um, like taking the form of old men and the Buddha climbs down the chimney to steal away naughty children. Specific type of Buddha, the Buddha glass, meaning the great old man, was a death omen and William Henderson writes in Folklore of the Northern Counties that a Norman was playing golf on the links of Andrews when he stopped in the middle of a game and said, I can play no longer, there is a Buddha glass. I have seen it for the third time, something fearful is going to befall me. And he died that night. Oh, <laughs> boy. Yeah. That's so sinister. I know. You just see an old man three times and you're like, well, <laughs> I'm better not for pop the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so sinister as well that, like, you know, the Kaliak is a bit scary, but she's scary in the way that, like, you know, like you'd have a teacher that was like a good teacher, but she was absolutely terrifying. Mm-hmm. But this yeah. is just like haunting. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a third type called the Bodicansa Will, um, the little old man of the barn. So this is a type of barn brownie which would take pity on old men and do the threshing for them. Briggs also gives us a verse from D.A. Mackenzie's Scottish Folklore and Folk Life, which goes like this. When will the peat turn grey and shadows fall deep, and weary old Callum is snoring asleep, the little old man of the barn will thresh with no light in the mouth of the night, the little old man of the barn. Aww. Um, so the connecting thread is clearly the association with old men and I guess I wonder if these are supposed to be quite different creatures that are just connected by a descriptive name like that is describing them as old men or if it's supposed to be the same one um, like the same type if you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. did various places just have various stories about fairies that looked like old men and so they just called them Buddha. Um mm-hmm. because there there are a few kind of different etymological explanations for the name. Um like it seems that it's come to mean old man, uh which is perhaps what connects them. Um but apparently in Irish the word comes from the word for tenant or serf or peasant. Alternatively it might come from both, meaning a cottage or a hut, like the English booth or the Scottish bothy. 
um which would make it <laughs> we got a wee mention yeah <laughs> um which would make it mean something which would like it would make bodach mean something like a cotter or a tenant farmer um as the suffix ah means sort of like coming from or connected to like sasnach means someone from england um so I've seen it reported both that Bodak is now used as an affectionate term for an old man and as a derogatory term for an old man. So, so you're just going to have to see how you're feeling all day and like, yeah. really judge. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so it's in Scottish folklore specifically that the Bodak comes down the chimney to kidnap naughty children. So Rosie, what <laughs> with old men coming down chimneys? What an incredible segue. <laughs> Um, so according to Jeffrey Burton Russell in Witchcraft in the Middle Ages, it was widely believed that witches could pass through solid walls to enter people's homes anytime they fancied. One theory suggests that when the Malleus Maleficarum was published in 1486, it was stated within that witches in fact entered through chimneys and windows. And it said in this article I read that the deliberate intent of that was to ease public anxiety, um, which I'm a bit skeptical about because, firstly, it was really hard to Google why does anything come down a chimney without um, the only results being about Santa. Um, so uh, some of these articles that I was reading, I just I didn't trust them too much. Um <laughs> And also this particular article was kind of wishy-washy with some of the other facts. Like some of them I was, I just knew to be kind of wrong, not like, just kind of muddled, um, not like egregiously wrong, but like assigning like the Irish thing to the Scottish thing and like mixing things up. Mm. Um, just a bit careless. Yeah. And then... And then like my like secondly my my number one way of detecting rubbish information is when the explanation for something is too neat and is like crediting something that's quite large and complex with like stemming as like stemming from one single event that we can point to and just say that's where that came from mm -hmm. i just think it's a bit suspicious when thing is something is too neat like that um think it is I think it, like it does say that in the book um but I'm definitely suspicious of that being the author's intent to calm people down mm -hmm. um and I'm suspicious of that being the sole origin of a belief about creatures coming down ch like chimneys yeah and it is such a like pervasive thing like we see it I mean we've already touched on a few of them but like we see it all over the place it feels like like you say, it's way too convenient. It's like this guy wrote it in a book and that's how it's got on. Yeah, yeah. And like this book that we're talking about is essentially like a witch hunter's manual. And it kind of became really widespread after the invention of the printing press. Um, and it literally says on the book's Wikipedia page that the author blamed women for his own lust and presented his opinion as the opinion of the church so I'm just like why would this guy be like oh I know I'll I'll calm people down by saying the witches only come down the chimneys 
Yeah, this guy sounds like the type that like he would be looking for any event, like any anything to latch onto and be like, which is man. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I'd I'd have to be a lot more knowledgeable than I am about this period of history and this book in particular. I'm just kind of musing, but when it comes to this being like the sole source of these stories, I just don't think it could be that simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I did find mention of another writer who might have had motives for spreading the idea. Supposedly, it may have been a 15th century French scholar called Petrus Amoris, who thought that Christians were giving the occult too much power by suggesting that fairies and witches could pass through solid walls. Um, he suggested that people were mistaken and actually they were just coming in through the chimneys and windows and the idea caught hold. And again, I'm just like, just one guy? Just one guy? How, how one guy. <laughs> just ordinary men? <laughs> just innocent Simple men. men. <laughs> just normal men. <laughs> and on top of that, like, I couldn't turn up anything about this guy from a quick Google. I couldn't find him. I didn't try that hard, but I googled him and nothing came up. <laughs> so, um, and then finally, the thrillingly named allaboutchimneys.co.uk uh, mentions that Odin was. Described... Right, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> when you say all about chimneys, yeah, how all about are we talking here? <laughs> like, it's just a comprehensive history on chimneys. <laughs> I mean, I didn't vet them entirely, but they did seem to. They seem to write about chimneys. I love that for them. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so they mentioned that um, Odin was described as entering homes through the chimney on the winter solstice, um, which obviously, if that's true, that's much older than the previous two suggestions that we talked about. Um, and I know that, like that Santa is associated with Odin in some way, like take like takes parts of Odin folklore into the Santa folklore. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's possible that all of these explanations are themselves folklore. Um, so we could talk instead about some general ideas about chimneys. <laughs> well, I um, wish I had been on allaboutchimneys.co.uk so that I could yeah. get <laughs> Um, no, but something that I did think about, and it's kind of the opposite way around, is mm-hmm. um, like you get a lot of stories about changelings and either them getting thrown up chimneys to get rid mm-hmm. of them, or like when they like break out um, and run away, they go like up the chimney or like they make yeah. a hole in the roof or something. That was just like kind of the opposite way around. That's kind of what made me think about. Yeah, I, I thought of that too. Um... And then, so I was kind of thinking, well, it's not, it's not just old men, although old, old men seem to have like a thing, a thing for it, for coming down the chimney apparently, but you know, whatever. I guess I was thinking, well, the chimney is just kind of an opening. It's just sort of a gateway to the home that is never closed. And like, so it's almost, there's a bit of sort of common sense to it to say, oh, maybe the magical creatures can get in that way. Mm-hmm. And then there's maybe a little something with like how 
the chimney is used to eliminate smoke from the house. It's supposed to be an inside to outside passage. So supernatural creatures sort of subverting that and, and entering that way um, might be seen as like um, a disruption of the natural order mm -hmm. um, in the way that a lot of the time with folklore, um, supernatural things tend to do things wrong or use things wrong so like a witch uses a broomstick to fly instead of sweep the house basically um and then i kind of thought maybe it's also disturbing that something could enter through where there's a fire and not be harmed mm -hmm. or in the case of the changeling leave that way and not be harmed um and then i thought you could also see it as a type of boundary line because it goes from the domestic safety of the home to the wild world outside, which kind of applies to literally any kind of door or window, but you can't close your chimney, so... Exactly. <laughs> but whatever the reason, it seems like Santa Claus comes from a long line of magical beings who don't know how to use a door. Please someone teach them. Because <laughs> it's, it's giving the wrong vibe to their brand, right? It's just a bit creepy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so to summarize, the Bodak encompasses a range of fairy beings which take the form of old men. They can be helpful spirits or tricksters, death omens, or even kidnappers of children. You just don't know what you're gonna get. So now it's time for the story of the week, which touches on the pairing of the Bodak and the Kalyak. In the heart of Glen Lyon in Perthshire, there stands a little family made of stone. The tallest of these stones is the Kaliach, the goddess of winter and the creator of Scotland. The stones surrounding her are her husband, the Bodach, and their children. Every seven, the local people place the stone family inside their little shepherd's hut, known both as the house of the Kaliach and the house of the Bodach, to weather the winter, and every Beltane, they are returned to their posts outside. The story goes that once the Kaliak and her family were offered shelter during a storm. As thanks, she created her family's likeness in stone and proclaimed that as long as the people continued to care for her family, the Glen would be fertile evermore. How cute. No, I just think it's a really cute story. Yeah. Do they still do um, it? Yeah, yeah, they do. I love that. And I think it's like there there are some concerns about people visiting the site too much, but I think it's like an it's it's a really I think I read it was an eight hour walk to get there, um, but I'm not totally sure. But it's not super accessible. That's good. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of like, um, folklore places can sometimes you know you obviously want people to visit them and see them for themselves, but footfall <laughs> and traffic is really damaging, and like, especially in um Donino Den it's i think it's meant to be like an old druid um or pagan religious site and there's kind of some skepticism about it it might just be victorian but like people have been tying you know ribbons made of mm. plastic or whatever to trees and mm. as part of the trend so i'm kind of glad that the kaliak and our family are sheltered away yeah it's like um you know the trend of piling up stones in like a tower mm -hmm. um it gets called a cairn sometimes but um 
I also know cairns to be like more of a mound of stones, not a tower mm. of stones. But um, yeah, apparently the trend of doing that is like um, kind of destroying the landscape and the ecosystem. Well, in in some places, like in Scotland as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like there was a case. I can't remember where these animals are, but it was like a giant river salamander that got crushed to death by one of these things falling over in the river. Oh, no. Um, and it's an endangered species and that sort of thing. And people build them in places in Scotland too. And um, so I saw like this shot and it was like a camera shot and it was a just like a whole massive area covered in these little towers and... You know, like the problem is because like they are a danger to animals because they fall over. Mm-hmm. Just generally, like you're disturbing the ecosystem and yeah, and like and I think when... it's sorry, on you go. Uh, I was just gonna say, um, I think it's someone's job to take them down. But there's oh, a lot of them. Yeah, because yeah. as well, I think it like it disturbs the like the invertebrates as well that live within. You know, yeah. the stones that get disturbed and things. And it's very yeah, sad. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I'm not like an expert on invertebrates, but I assume if you've got five stones on the ground, they're all supposed to be living underneath those stones. But if you've got five stones in a tower, that's only <laughs> one stone. Yeah. Either that <laughs> or you've got like an invertebrate skyscraper going on. And that's how dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a very delicately balanced invertebrate skyscraper. Oh, what a tale of our times. <laughs> Box Life 2 sounds intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Kaliak, so you say that there is like some concerns about um, tourists, but is it mostly mm-hmm. mostly okay? I think I think it is. Like the article didn't say that they were actively having problems it just said there was concerns that people might try to make pilgrimages there Mm. but i think because it's a lot harder to get to yeah um, it's i don't think it's yet like a major concern but yeah so um Um, did you see anything about like Obviously, it's so cool that this is a wee tradition that is still going on. Is there anything about, you know, the kind of, is an ageing population in the area? Is this a tradition that's likely to die out? Um... So, it didn't say, but what it it did say was that, um, as far as they knew, this had been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years, not necessarily unbroken, like it might have died out and come back basically um and i think so yeah it didn't it didn't say much about the locals other than they were worried about people coming and i'd like to think that because like the site is being is known of and is being taken care of i'd like to think that um the tradition will be continued as well but yeah I didn't specifically say I suppose I could google it I suppose that's like one of the good things about like trends and things kind of becoming known like there is the risk that 
people are going to flock to it and kind of disturb it. But then it's much harder to lose things now in the same way that we have in the past, which yeah. is quite nice. Yeah, I think as long as I think you just have to hope that as long as the sites are being, you know, taken care of by people who know what they're doing, then mm-hmm. there can be then there can be regulation in place. And then we all get to know about it. We all get to share in that heritage, but um we don't <laughs> like go and cause a like viral stampede. Yeah. <laughs> so that wraps up our discussion on the bodach it's another entity that has several different forms with a name used as a kind of casual term but you can be sure that an old man is somehow involved now you know (laughs) so (laughs) in previous episodes we have sometimes used an incredibly scientific scale to describe the likelihood of us giving that week's beast a wee pet. And it seems a bit weird to do it for this one, but um, I'm going to do it anyway. Rebecca, would you pet it? <laughs> um, <laughs> aside from the fact it's petting an old man. Um, <laughs> there, there. Um, I, I don't know, because you don't know what you're going to get. I, yeah. I, I think I would, like wave politely from a distance (laughs) and then walk away (laughs) I think that's very sensible (laughs) thank you for listening to the Folklore Scotland podcast we'll be back every week with more folkloric content from stories to analysis the podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland the charity that aims to make Scottish folklore accessible using digital platforms Telling the tales of the past with the technology of today. If you'd like to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, pop us an email at info@folklorescotland.com, and you can find all of our social media as well as a list of sources in the show notes below. The charity also now has a Ko-fi page, which you can find in the show notes if you would like to help us continue the work that we do. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.